all of us want to know what our purpose is. We want to know what our assignment is, our role in this world. Why are we here? We all long to know, and it would be good if God told us that sooner than later, right? Like, we don't want to know that later. We want to know it now. We want to understand our purpose, our role, our assignment. Last week, we were talking about how God, in His love and mercy, He puts post-it notes all around us inviting us to call on Him. He wants a relationship with us. He wants to interact with us. So He invites us through all these different things in this world that draw our attention to Him. Imagine if you came down this morning uh, to your table and there's post-it notes on it that look like this, that gave you direct assignments. Joe, I want you to use your life to do this. And for you, that blank would be filled in with something specific for you. I want you to use your life to do this, and your assignment starts right now. Signed, God. I mean, would that be pretty cool? Like, I want this kind of post-it note, this kind of clarity that God's giving me assignment, the purpose, and I don't have to wait till next week or next month or 10 years from now to know it. I want to start that assignment now. I don't want to wait. So last week, we also started to talk about this guy in the Bible named Saul or Paul, the same guy with two names. We talked about how his life was radically changed by Christ, that he went from being someone who, a religious extremist who killed Christians, to someone who's going to become the greatest voice for Jesus the world has ever known. And his post-it note that says, Paul, here's your assignment, and here's what I want you to do, and that assignment starts now, is found in the Bible in Acts chapter 13. So I want you to turn there, turn your Bibles on, open them up, Acts chapter 13, and we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 3. Now understand that Paul, in a moment, he bumped into Jesus, it radically changed his life, but his kingdom assignment, his purpose wasn't revealed immediately. It took time. And this section of the Bible, Acts, is all about the Acts of the Apostle. It's actually the title of the whole book is Acts of the Apostle. It's all these different things that these early followers of Jesus did so that we can learn what it looks like, what it feels like to follow Jesus. And I think buried within Paul's story is principles that we can learn from about discovering our kingdom purpose, our assignment on planet earth. So here we go, Acts chapter 13, verse 1. Now in the church at Antioch there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manian, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. All these people while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. So within this church, there's some leaders. There's pastors and teachers, a leadership team of individuals. And they begin to realize that this gospel of Jesus Christ, this good news of a kingdom, isn't meant to just be for their church. It's meant to be spread out beyond their church to the region around them. So they start to pray and they start to think and they're worshiping God and asking him what we should do next. And God's like, hey, my guy Saul and his buddy Barnabas, they're the ones I want you to send out to spread the kingdom to the rest of the region. 
And this moment in Acts 13 is Paul's post-it note. It's his assignment. It's, hey, Paul, I want you to be a teacher that teaches people about my kingdom, and I want you to start that assignment now. So you back up from this for a moment, and you go, okay, for, for Paul and his journey, this is really interesting. He studied at the Harvard of his time for religion, and he belonged to this incredibly elite religious group. And he's so passionate about his religion that he kills people and arrests them if they don't believe the way he believes. Well-educated, well-experienced, passionate guy who bumps into Jesus and has his life changed in a moment. And now we read his post-it note, and his post-it note is, okay, now I want you to teach on behalf of my kingdom, and I want you to move forward and share this with other people. And Jesus radically alters his life, and it almost feels like Paul one minute is killing Christians, next minute he gets this radical assignment, then he goes on a worldwide speaking tour, writes a lot of books, becomes famous, the most famous Christian follower ever. Pretty great life, right? I mean, it's a life that you and I would never live, and you're like, I don't really even want to live his life. Yet, like Paul, we want that post-it note. I want the assignment from God. I want him to say, here's your assignment and start now. And like Paul, when we come to know Christ, as individuals who put their faith and trust in Christ, we all have gifts and experiences that God wants us to use to advance his kingdom, every single one of us. So Paul's gift was teaching. He was educated and gifted to teach. Your gift may be leadership. It may be encouragement. It may be innovation. It may be administration. It may be care for others. It doesn't mean that you're going to be a missionary. It doesn't mean that you're going to be a church planter. That's not the point. It means that whatever gifts God has given you within the kingdom of God, you're to use those gifts to push the love of Christ, the peace of Christ, the joy of Christ into your sphere of influence. We all have this unique story, these unique experiences that God wants us to use alongside our gifts to advance his gift kingdom and make a difference in this world. So many of us want that, but we struggle to find that purpose, that post-it note, that assignment, and we wonder if we'll ever get one. I think when we read accounts like this in the Bible, we totally miss time. Like you start to read the Bible and you forget that there's time that's at play in all of this. So we look at Paul, he's doing bad things with his life, things of religious extremism. He bumps into Jesus, his life changed, now he becomes famous. It all happens in a lickety split and he lives happily ever after the end. That's what we think happens. But that's not how life worked for Paul and it's not how life works for us. We discover our kingdom assignment as we walk with Jesus over time. And I don't have time to walk with Jesus over time. I want what I want now. I want his assignment now. I want everything I get as a part of the kingdom now. I don't want to wait. It took, when you follow this through the Bible story, it took Paul 10 years to get his assignment. He comes to know Christ, Christ radically changes his life. Ten years later, he gets a post-it note that says, here's your assignment. And that's typically how it works for you and me as well. We walk with Jesus over time. And as we walk with him over time, he guides us into our purpose 
in this life. So I want to stop for a minute and take a little bit of a closer look at Paul's journey by having you turn back in your Bibles to Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9, verse 20. So we're in Acts 13. Let's go back and see a little bit more in detail of how Paul got to this moment where he got his assignment. Soon after he comes to know Jesus, he's out trying to arrest Christians. Then he bumps into Jesus. He puts his trust in Jesus. And this scene, Acts chapter 9, verse 20, is immediately following him meeting Jesus and putting his trust in him. Acts chapter 9, verse 20 says, At once... Saul began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. All those who heard him were astonished and asked, Isn't he the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who call on Christ's name? And hasn't Paul come here to take them prisoners to the chief priests? So, so get the context of what's going on. Paul's been sent to this city to arrest Christians. On his way, he bumps into Jesus. Now he's following Jesus, and he starts to preach about Jesus. And people are like, what gives? Like, this can't be happening. Because there are people there still that they just hate Christians, and they want Christians silenced. So now Paul, this guy who's coming to arrest people, now he's preaching about Jesus. They get ticked at Paul in this moment, if you keep reading the story, and they threaten his life. And Paul has to leave the city of Damascus. He has to get out of there quick to run for his life. And if he's going to run anywhere, he's going to run to Jerusalem. That's the center of Christianity. Let me leave Damascus, go back to Jerusalem, and all my friends will like me there. He goes back to Jerusalem, and what happens there? People are all like, dude, yesterday you were arresting and killing people. Today you're preaching about this guy Jesus? We're scared of you. And they give Paul the cold shoulder till this one guy Barnabas speaks up and says, no, 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 this guy Paul is legit. It really happened. He was changed. And Paul starts to be able to teach about Jesus in Jerusalem. That's great, right? He's starting to use his gifts. He's using his experience. He's using his teaching, his education to tell people about Jesus. Until the religious extremists there find out he's there and they go, we're running you out of town. And Paul has to leave again. He has to run for his life from Jerusalem now. And he leaves to go to the only place that he's safe. He goes home. He goes back to his city, his hometown of Tarsus. Here's this guy who's very well educated, very accomplished as a leader. He can't stay anywhere. He's getting chased out of town and he has to go home. He wants to use his gifts. He wants to use his experiences, but instead of being able to speak on behalf of God, he has to be silenced and go home. And he will spend the next six to eight years at home alone where the Bible says nothing about Paul. It's like six to eight years of crickets, silence, nothing. Now, if you were smart and well-educated and passionate about Jesus, and you had your life redirected, and you could now use all your gifts, your education, your passion to tell people about Jesus, wouldn't you want to do that? Of course you would, but now you have to go home. And I kind of picture him at home in his mom's basement playing Xbox, going like, really? Like all the education, all the money I spent, all my college loans, like all the experiences and passions and the abilities I have to talk about you, Jesus, and now I'm stuck at home playing Xbox for six or eight years? I just have to stay at home? And how much doubt must have filled his mind and heart? 
How many questions ran through his heart to go, was the education really worth it? Is this all a waste? How much would he have rethought through the days he killed a Christian? And now he's going to be a spokesman for Christ? How guilty and ashamed must he felt as he sat there on the love seat in the basement going, what is my life amounting to? And he's in despair. God, when are you going to use me? When are you going to redeem all this? When are you going to make this right? When can I serve you? When can I have a purpose in the kingdom? But before he could ever learn his kingdom assignment, he had to go through the six to eight year period of silence. Discovering your kingdom assignment includes seasons of quiet personal growth. I mean, you see this throughout the Bible in the life of Moses, the life of David, and the life of Jesus, now in the life of Paul, that before you can ever do anything for the kingdom, before you can ever serve and have an ability to advance, it often requires these moments of quiet where no one's looking, where no one sees, where there's no highlights or lowlights to report on ESPN, just the daily grind of getting up, eating, sleeping, working, living, and walking with Jesus. It's not sexy, it's not cool, it's quiet, it's behind the scenes, no one notices, but it's the place the character's formed. In those quiet moments, it's the place where our character is formed. We don't like hearing this, but God doesn't need you. God doesn't mean me, doesn't need me, and he doesn't need Paul. God didn't need Paul, he doesn't need you, and he doesn't need me. What he wants from us is our character. He wants us to be men and women, sons and daughters, who authentically with sincerity, have character formed in us that begins to look like, smell like, act like, love like Jesus. And that character is formed in quiet places. In quiet places because who you are is always more important than what you do. And this is not the message you're going to hear in our culture. Our culture is going to shout to all of us and say, what you do is the most important thing in your life. And it doesn't mean, it doesn't matter if you're a sham, if you're a fraud behind the scenes, if you're a terrible person privately, publicly, if you got the goods and you can do the job, fine. That's what our world is saying. God says in the kingdom, no, it's the opposite. Who you are, the kind of person you are, the kind of character that's formed in you is what's most important. So who are you today? Are you someone who defines their life by the people around you? Are you defining your life by a certain family members, a spouse, by the life of your child? Is that how you define your success or failure? Maybe you're someone who everything's about your work and what you do with your time and how you earn a paycheck. Maybe you are what your possessions are, your money. Maybe you're defining yourself by failures that you've experienced in the past. You see, none of these things are who you are. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you're a son or daughter of the King. That's who you are. And it takes time, quiet time, for us to grow into that identity, that new identity. It takes daily grind of just walking through life and choosing to do the next right thing. 
It takes the daily grind of just walking, waking up, living, breathing, being faithful in little things before our king will entrust you with great things. Paul was a gifted teacher. He experienced some early success. Before God was going to entrust him with this assignment, he had to experience quiet, silent years of walking through his doubts and his struggles and hearing his king's voice. If you want to know your purpose, it's going to take the same thing. It's going to take a season, moments, chapters where your character's growing, where you're learning to listen and to follow your king. Because who you are is more important than what you do. I want you to turn to Acts chapter 11. Go right to Acts chapter 11, verse 19. So after six or eight years of quiet reflection and growth, something changes for Paul. Acts chapter 11, verse 19. Now those who had been scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, spreading the word only among Jews. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. News of this reached the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived, he saw what the grace of God had done, and he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. Barnabas was a good man. He was full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus. This is where it's great. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, and when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. Check this. After Paul's been growing quietly over years, he finally gets an opportunity to use his gifts, right? Barnabas shows up, and Barnabas is the guy who earlier on in Paul's life was like, no, the change that's happening in Paul is legit, it's sincere. Now, years later, Paul's been hanging out in his basement at home in Tarsus. Years later, Barnabas is in a situation in this place called Antioch where he goes, hey, remember that young, smart guy, Paul? I wonder where he is. He goes to the computer, Googles him, finds out where he is, and he travels up to Tarsus, and he goes there and says, hey, Paul, I want you to come and teach at the church that I'm serving at in Antioch. Discovering your kingdom assignment includes the encouragement and the coaching of others. I mean, during those quiet years, I'm sure Paul doubted his gifts and his abilities. He's probably on Google all the time on Indeed looking for a new gig, but while Paul while Paul is wondering and worrying and thinking about what is he going to do with his life, God is orchestrating things behind the scenes. In his quiet growth season that's silent and no one sees, God is orchestrating things behind the scenes to get ready to give Paul the opportunity for him to grow and use his gifts. And it comes first in the form of encouragement. I mean, imagine that day on the love seat in the basement, and you hear the rap on the door, chick, 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 and he goes up, and it's Barnabas. And Barnabas is like, hey, Paul, I want to take you with me to Antioch. I want to use your gifts to teach. How awesome must that felt for Paul? He's like, all these years of waiting and longing and wanting to be used by God, and in a moment, this guy sees something in me, notices my gifts, notices my ability, and he brings me with him to this church? How cool is that? 
I want you to notice, though, Barnabas doesn't take the keys to the new church and throw it to Paul and say, hey, here, Paul, take the, take the new church out for a spin. Don't wrap it around a tree. He doesn't do that. He goes with Paul. Paul and Barnabas go together, and they team teach for a year where Barnabas is able to coach Paul, where Paul is able to learn and grow and experience life. If you're seeking an assignment, a purpose, is it something you're doing by yourself? Do you have the encouragement and coaching of other people? You see, I think for most of us, if we're left with our own ideas, our own passions, our own interpretation of our experiences and our gifts, we'll mess it up. We'll mess it up because we don't have an accurate view of ourselves. We are designed by God to need Barnabas to need an older, wiser woman, an older, wiser man to give us encouragement and coaching. Do you have a Barnabas? And maybe you go, I don't have one. If your Father in Heaven designed you to need encouragement and need coaching, when you bring that request to Him and say, Father, you know I need encouragement and you know I need coaching, will you give me encouragement and coaching through a person? He will provide for you. He won't leave you abandoned. And maybe you're a mature follower of Christ today. Maybe you're listening to this lame sermon and going, man, this stuff is so boring. I know my assignment. I know my uh, purpose in life. I've walked through life and I've done my thing. This is lame. This is boring. Maybe it's time for you to stop thinking about yourself and becoming a Barnabas to someone else. In our church here today, There are people asking us for coaches and mentors. And you know what we have to say to them? All our coaches and mentors are being used. Maybe it's time for you in the season of life that you're in where you're feeling steady and stable. You're a person of faith. You're not perfect. You have a certain amount of experience under your belt, a certain amount of life, and you have the love and the energy to say, I can encourage someone. I can coach someone. Would you raise your hand at some point and let us know that? Because it's amazing. Uh, I think there are people in seasons of their lives where they feel steady and they feel like I've been there, done that, and they have so much to offer and they're waiting for a, bar- for a Paul to come to them and say, I need help. But remember, Paul didn't go to Barnabas. Barnabas went to Paul. Stop sitting on your hands. You have something to offer. You have wisdom and life experience and care and a heart. It's time for you to find, look around our church, look around our community, to make an investment into the lives of other people. Barnabas took a great risk and made a huge investment into Paul's life. Do you know Barnabas' name? He's nothing. But if he doesn't make that investment, we wouldn't know Paul and have half of the New Testament, which was written by this guy. It's time for some of you to become a Barnabas. At some point... Ten years after Paul has had his life turned upside down, after going through a season of quiet, after going through a season of coaching and encouragement, at some point he gets his kingdom assignment in Acts 13.2. Within the church of Antioch, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work for which I've called them. So after they fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. Paul's part of a church. He's worshiping God. He's using his gifts. He's getting coached. He's getting encouragement. And God says, now here's your assignment. 
I want you to go and use your life and your skills to take my message to the Roman Empire. And I learned from this that my kingdom assignment is confirmed as I walk with Jesus over time and as I submit myself to others within the church, which is the exact opposite of the way I do things. I think with the right education, the right experience, the right know-how, and the right relationships, I get to set the course of my life, and I get to do what I want, when I want, at my timeline and my pace, instead of realizing I'm sinful and broken, and the king of the universe invited me into his family. He rescued me from the kingdom of darkness and brought me into his family. He takes away my sins, and he gives me life and purpose, and now he's the king and I'm the servant. There's a role reversal. I used to be the king, you used to be the queen, and you did everything your own way. You set the timeline, the schedule, the agenda, you pick your career, your purpose, your path, and it goes in that way away from God. But when he rescues you, he puts himself inside you. Now he's the king, and I'm the servant, and I say to my king, what do you got for me today? I submit myself to him as I walk with him over time. You see, the best way for me to discover my purpose is as I continue to worship Jesus and I continue to submit myself to other people. Yes, coaching and encouragement is really important, but the submitting myself to other people is what gives me an objective outside voice because I don't see myself clearly. I don't. Yes, I need coaching. I need encouragement. I need someone to hold up a mirror to me and show me what I really look like because what I think about myself is warped. And what you think about yourself is warped too. We need outside voices that we can say, what do you think? Here's my dream. Here's my thought. Here's my purpose. Here's what I think I should be doing. Here are my gifts. Here are my experiences. What do you think? And the reason we don't ask that of other people, here it is, because we'd actually have to listen to them. If you had a Barnabas, would you listen? Most of us go, I don't have a Barnabas and I don't really want one because I don't want to listen to one. Because if you actually had a Barnabas, they would have a different perspective than you. They may not think you're such hot stuff. They may not think you're ready. They may redirect you and go, did you think of this? Did you think of that? And you'd have to actually humble yourself and listen to someone who has a different perspective than you? The church is filled with wise, smart, strategic, capable people. This church and the church of Jesus Christ is filled with smart, strategic, wise people. And you and me, we desperately want to know our purpose. We want a post-it note. But God doesn't give us post-it notes. He often gives us people. People who have a different perspective, who are also worshiping Jesus and who are centering themselves in the Bible and who are walking with Jesus and following Jesus. And you want a post-it note to tell you exactly what to do and when you want it to be done. And God's like, I I've sent you a church full of people that have my voice and my heart. And what makes me really sad is there are people in the sound of my voice, people here in this room, people online right now, that you're struggling through life by yourself and you're continuing to make the same unwise, stupid decisions 
over and over and over again at work, making unwise decisions in relationships, making unwise decisions about your addiction, making unwise decisions about your work life and purpose. You're continuing to make the same unwise, foolish decisions over and over, and you're begging God for a post-it note. And God's like, I've provided for you in the church of Jesus Christ people who have a different perspective than you that can give you wisdom and clarity and encouragement and coaching. And you go, well, where do I get that? I don't know anyone like that. It's why we want you in a small group. It's why we want you connected with other people because as you get to know people, as they get to know you, you can submit to them and say, what do you think about me? You know me, you know my gifts, you know my experiences. What do you think I should do with my life? And they can guide you and they can help you. It makes me sad that so many of us struggle with the same things over and over and over again. I don't know what my purpose is. I don't know why I'm here on planet Earth. God wants to communicate that to you. Will you submit yourself to Christ-centered, biblical people in our community and allow them to coach you and guide you? Because if you do, that's the path to purpose and to peace. But if you just wait for skywriting, you probably won't listen to that either. Let's pray. You're incredibly patient with us, God. and We desperately need humility. We don't have an accurate view of ourselves. We think too highly of ourselves. We want to hear your voice. We want to follow your path. Would you help us to be humble? Would you help the people that are listening to this to be connected into a church family, into this church family, into a group of people that can know them? Would you give us the humility to submit our plans and our dreams to you and to other people because that's the way you're going to direct our lives? Give us that humility and that courage. And would you drop into our lives the right individuals to coach and guide and encourage us? You can do that, God. You know exactly what your children need. So help us now, I pray, through Christ our Lord. Amen.